Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today will be Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. Part of the discussion today will pertain to today's news, which is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200 and see what your rights are. Pro Football Focus named Vanderbilt's defensive line the best of the week. That group, of course, led by ends Andre Mintz, Dio Odingbo, and, of course, Davion Davis and Rashawn Wilkins in the middle graded out well additionally. The Vandy Sports Podcast is presented by Jody Jones, DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after general and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. Jody has earned the title of number one in Nashville for cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many athletes, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate service to all of his patients. Jody never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Special thanks to Jody for being the title sponsor of this season. The guest line is presented by our friends at Bowling Branch, Scott and Missy Tannen, who are Vanderbilt graduates. I had no clue what I was missing in Bowling Branch sheets until I got some for myself. They are fair trade certified, which means they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us today on what will be a rapid-fire episode of the podcast, which I'm not sure the two of us are capable of doing, but we're going to have to try because you've got a Padres game to watch, and I've got a radio spot to do. So thank you for joining us today, sir. I hope you are well. And let's get right into the opener from last week. Give me your quick takeaways from that ballgame, please. Is this? I will never be satisfied with a loss ever, no matter what the situation is. Uh, but if I can come close to being satisfied with a loss, that would be it. Uh, this team surprised me in many, many ways in areas that I thought they had very little chance uh, of producing. They, they showed me differently. Uh, you know, look, protection broke down a couple of times. That's going to happen. Uh, for the most part, I thought the offensive line did a decent job. Uh, I, you know, in the trenches, Whereas the trenches has been so hard for Vanderbilt over the last couple of years, or well, really forever. Um, I mean, I thought the defensive line played outstanding. You know, yes, there were a couple breakdowns on some run plays defensively, uh, but overall, man, I mean, there's a this team carries itself differently. You can see that. I know it's one game, uh, but they look like a much more physical football team who who's ready to mix it up. You know, what A&M is right now, I don't know. It's one game. It's hard to tell. Uh, but I, I got to say, uh, overall, 17 to 12, it's a loss. It's a loss. It's a loss. But there was a whole lot more positives to take away from that game last Saturday than negatives for sure. 
Lots of questions in the mailbag, so I'm going to go there. The mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at HQ or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about his business on the podcast. Diehard VU fan asks you many predictions here. So the first one he wants from you is final record, and if there's any wins, who do those come against? Not final record. Uh, You know, hey, listen, um, I mean, I don't want to come out here and say three and seven is a successful season, but uh, given the circumstances, I I think that's possible. And look, I mean, literally before the season started, you couldn't have come up with three wins if you had to. Um, I think just from preliminary sketches, I mean, Missouri is certainly a winnable football game. I think South Carolina and Tennessee are both winnable football games. Uh, I, I think Kentucky had a very difficult assignment. You know, there's no question about that, but they were also playing an offensive line that had four new starters up on it. Uh, and, and the Auburn Tigers. I, look, I like Kentucky a lot. I do. Uh, look, I think the only teams in the SEC East right now that I say, now, now Florida's just going to be difficult because I think Florida looks like easily the best team in the East right now, at least after one week. Uh, did Georgia figure some things out? You know, I think it, is JT Daniels going to make a big difference? Possibly. I mean, I, I thought in the trenches they had some question marks, you know, and that kind of showed in the first half against Arkansas. Um, on the other side of that ledger, you know, Mississippi State looks like uh, that is the other team we play, right? That we didn't have originally scheduled with Mississippi State, in that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that looks <laughs> better. Be able to get some pressure on the quarterback. I know that much. Um, I, I, you know, this this weekend, I, it's I, I know Derek Stingley was missing, but look, the fact of the matter is that offense last year had. Edwards Alaire, Justin Jefferson, you know, Jamar Chase, who, by the way, had he left, would be even better than Justin Jefferson. So, uh, and the greatest season that a quarterback ever knew in the history of the SEC, all on its offense. And m- the majority of the defensive players on that side of the ball are now in the NFL. Um, they've replaced so much. I understand recruiting rankings, they're wonderful, they're great, but this their 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 season is predicated on players who haven't done it yet, who haven't been out there and haven't fought these SEC battles. Um, if Vanderbilt mimics their effort from Saturday, there's no reason in the world that they can't play with LSU. Now they're gonna get a pissed off Tiger team. They got humiliated. They gave them more yards through the air than any other team in the history of this conference in one game. But I don't. I, I mean, that only that only goes so far. You either have the material, uh, or you the, the proven material, or you don't. And right now, they don't have the proven material. I wouldn't be surprised if Vanderbilt matches the effort, gets Dimitri Moore back, gets Keon Brooks back, if they if they will or will not. I don't know. Uh, I, I could absolutely see them hanging in this game. But I'll say three and seven. The team that I saw Saturday night in College Station is capable of winning at least three. Okay, average points per game for the season. Uh, well, 12 is not a great way to start, and especially considering that you forced that many turnovers and, and you know, six of your points came off of a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, until they start punching them in, 
you know, I can't call this an offensive juggernaut, but one thing is clear that they, they have, you know, they have a quarterback who is going to remain calm and can distribute the football. Amir uh, Abdul-Rahman looks fantastic. Once we get some of these other cats going, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, 22 points a game, and that's it's not great, but, you know, I think that would be enough to win a couple of games this year. Average opposing points per game. I think Vanderbilt graded out PFS, what, defensive line was number one in the nation, right? And Wasn't that right? Yes. Um, that's not going to stay the case all the time. But how many of the offensive lines that they're facing this year are dominant offensive lines? You know, some of these teams, they're really good teams. You know, I mean, they, they, they like, like, like a team like Georgia. You know, they're two starting tackles from last year in the NFL now. You know, and I know it's Georgia and recruiting is what it is, but that's, uh, again, there's a lot of teams on this schedule that are replacing key players in key positions. Uh, so they're maybe a little bit more vulnerable. I can't call this a, a team that whose high watermark is three and seven and say that we outscore our opponents. That wouldn't make any sense, clearly. Uh, so I'm going to go somewhere along the lines of 28. You know, out being outscored 28, 22, a little bit less than a possession a game. Ken Seals' final stats. I will say that Ken throws somewhere around 2,000 yards or 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. That sound all right? Yeah, I think those are realistic. Okay. Next one, leading rusher and receiver. You know, that's kind of difficult. We didn't have Keon Brooks. I don't know the latest on when he's available, if it's now or whatever the case may be. But one thing that I saw that, I, I you know, I agree with you, more touches for Marlowe, right? I mean, <laughs> the more touches for Marlowe, the better. I mean, I look, of what I saw in the first performance, I, I think Marlowe gives this team – I, I don't know, maybe the most, the the, the best chance at the, at the big play. Does that sound fair? Oh, you know I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I've no, been well, screaming I mean, that for know, three hey, years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, but we haven't, but, you know, I know you have, but see, you've been privy to something none of us have. We haven't seen that. You know, I mean, we, we only got a brief look at a few jet sweeps here and there. You know, this was our first chance to really see him in game situations with, you know, multiple carries. So it's kind of hard for the rest of us because we didn't see that. Well, right. I, I clearly see what you're looking at. But, you know, the one thing that I would say to you uh, about JV on Marlowe is he, he was, to me, and maybe it was an optical illusion, he was a little bit bigger looking than I expected. Yeah, he's always been right around 200 or a little above since he got there. Maybe a buck 95. What are they listing him? 207? I don't remember. Yeah, but. he. You know, I just I just always pictured him as a little bit more diminutive. He didn't look that way to me in that in that game. So. No, he's not Dexter McCluster. He's bigger than that. No, in any way is he Dexter McCluster? <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that would be great. But yes. Uh, next yeah. one. So I'd move uh, us along. I didn't, I didn't do receive, I didn't, oh, I didn't I'm sorry, you did not. You did not. Uh, I, I mean, right now, how can I not say Amir? I 
think that I'll, I'll just interject here a little bit. I think that Amir will lead them in yards and Cam Johnson will lead them in catches. So there's two different definitions of that. But would you agree yeah, with that or would you go fair. would you go both? I would, I would, yeah, I would because uh, even though Cam's a faster player, I mean, I guess would you consider Cam to be more of the intermediate route guy? Yeah, I'm not certain Cam's the faster player. Well, that's a good thing then, because Cam's quite fast. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if that's the case, then that's only a good thing for all of us. Leading tackler, leading sacker, and leading interception guy. Well, leading tackler is is very unlikely to be anybody on the front line. Um I mean, even though he missed a game, I think I'll still say Dimitri Moore. Sacks. Sacks. Uh, boy, I, I got you know, Dio played well, man. That was a good football player, Chris. His bottom line, that was a good football. Dio would be a good football player in any program in America. Uh, uh, he, he and he can be relentless at times. I, if I don't know who it would be if it wasn't him. Leading interception man. You know who I'm going to say? Uh, I, I'm going to go. You may disagree. I think you'll you'll, you'll probably disagree with this. I'm going to go with, with Jerkins. That's exactly who I was going to say if you'd ask me. Yes. That's because you're a smart guy. Well, yeah, I see some talking. tipped balls and some you know, guys that have to get rid of the ball quickly and maybe just throw one up over the middle, and that's where your safeties benefit. Yeah, yeah, that that's that I I I think Deshaun's the guy. Okay, diehard VU fan wants to know, and by the way, we've got three more questions or two more questions after this. Who is the most overrated and underrated team in the SEC this year? Overrated team in the SEC. Can I have just a second on this? Uh, because that question, I mean. Well, I think after one week, the answer right? I mean, after one week, it would be LSU. Well, this is obvious. We're one weekend, right? So that's part of it. But it seems like we go through swings three or four times every year where unless you're Alabama or an elite team or you're just truly terrible, and even sometimes those teams sneak up. Like, you go through these swings where you think, man, this team looks great, uh, and then they don't look so great, and then they come back. Like, I'll give you an example. The, what was it, the 2017 Vandy team that starts 3-0 and and beats K-State, and then that Alabama game hits, and uh, there goes uh, the rest man. of the season. So, I mean, I, I guess that goes without saying, but just felt I'd interject there. Yeah, well, you know, look, I think it has to be LSU because we still gave them a high ranking. Uh, they're the defending national champs, the old stupid adage, and they're the they're the king of the mountain until somebody knocks them off. That's not applicable in college football. I wish everybody would realize that. Uh, and this was a clear example of that. I mean, Chris, can you name me one position where they didn't downgrade from last year? No, I cannot. Of course you can't because they didn't. Every They downgraded at every single position. So, I mean, 
to be as highly rated as they were, considering they basically lost everything, and the one thing they didn't lose opted out. And Derek Stingley didn't play. Now, he's back, and he's great, but he can't say. Look, would the numbers have been better? Yeah. But even a great player like Derek Stingley, hey, you had to still through for 623 yards. Let's say he was responsible for shaving off 100 yards, which would be amazing. It would still be passing for over 500 yards. You know, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know how the answer is not an easy LSU. Okay, most underrated. Most underrated, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt because they didn't have any type of ranking and anything. I mean, 31-point dogs, none of us gave them a chance to even hang around. And the fact of the matter is, with just minutes left to go, they had the ball inside the 20, down five in College Station against the top-10 team in the country. 96 Door says, last Saturday we used the rollout on many of the passing plays. Presumably this was done to take advantage of Seals' decent mobility and to slow down A&M's defensive line pursuit. As a former player, can you explain the advantages and disadvantages of the rollout and under what circumstances an offense would utilize this strategy? Well, unfortunately, I played on a team that didn't throw the football. So, uh, but I can still go into that with you, though. You know, you know. Look, I mean, you know how I feel about Ken Seals. I've been talking to you about Ken Seals for over a year now. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't believe how cool and calm and collective he is. But the skill set does not surprise me at all. I mean, that's to to borrow a line from was it Denny Green? We are who we thought they were. He is who I thought he was. Uh, the guy showed the, the ability to throw well on the run uh, throughout high school in a very competitive district, so it's not anything new to him. Uh, you know, the thing about rolling out, uh, now, I am not a, a proponent of rolling out across your body, you know what I mean, to your weak side. I, I think it's a, a losing proposition. You know, if now if you can make those throws in this conference, man, that's great, and that's, and that's more power to you. Now, let's say you're a guy like Ken Seals. And you roll out. You roll to your right. Now, one thing that you're doing now, you we we know right away is you're cutting off what two thirds of the field, right, Chris? Correct. You're also cutting off two thirds of the of, of the defense there because even though you're rolling that way, they can't all go with you, right? What happens if they go with if everybody rolls with you and you when you roll to your right? If all the defense roll to the right, you would get the. Uh offensive version of home run throwback. That's right. He's just going to stop in his tracks and throw it right across there. So what you're, what you've effectively done, like here, look, when I see a lot of full wide receivers, test them calling a game and you see trips to one side and a single seat, a wide receiver to the set and no safety over the top. What am I looking at? Man coverage, man to man. I'm looking for one guy in the open space to make a play himself. And so even though you cut your field way down, you cut their field down too. You know, because they still have to defend those players that didn't flow uh, that direction. And I, I, to me, personally, I just feel like it, it's for that. That's why I know a lot of people think, man, why are we here and cutting the field off? Yes, that's true. You are. But you're kind of cutting it off for everybody, not just for you. And you're, and you're taking more advantage of one-on-one matchups. That's the way I've always uh, I've always approached that. Like I said, we we didn't throw the football, uh, so we didn't have a lot of that. But 
uh, that's that's my been my approach there. I, I know a lot of people can't stand when a quarterback rolls like that. They feel like the offense is is, is limiting themselves. But I I, I kind of understand where they're coming from, but I don't agree. Okay, two more. We got about five minutes. Ninety six okay. door says. I am falling into the trap of being optimistic and raising expectations a little after a close loss in game one. As Vandy fans, we have seen this play out before and opening games just fooled us. Is it okay to believe this time is different? I think it's okay to believe this time it's different. Let me, let me tell you why. Because I believe that all the assistance that Coach Mason has brought in made an immediate impact. And I know you agree with that, Chris. Uh not just we all heard about Fitch and Roof. Uh, I'll never say his name right. Rosamondo, coach Chris, is that how you say it? I believe you did say it correctly. Okay, let me tell you something. Now, look, Mignon got whooped, and that is what it is. I mean, we gave him a critical sack, but for the most part, we did a decent job. But especially the interior, and one young man in particular, and I mentioned something that during the game thread. But I was watching the interior of that offensive line, and really the O line period. Uh, during that game. And I'm going to tell you a guy that I thought had a heck of a game. And that was Dan Dawkins. You know, I, I, I thought Dan Dawkins played outstanding. I had no expectations for him whatsoever this year, you know, but I, I thought his, I thought he got off the ball. Well, uh, you know, I thought he locked on, he used his leverage. You know, Dan's always been a strong guy. We know that, but an, a strong sec lineman is kind of an oxymoron. Right. Um, but I thought his technique was much improved and really all of their techniques were much improved. I thought Grant Miller played pretty well. I mean, look, I, Hey, listen, uh, for what we are and the expectations we had, I, I, I will, what, what was Ken sack twice in the game? Yeah. Right? And I think they were both in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to give you a plus for it, but I, I really, I really thought that they, they came along and we had, look, we were able to play a couple of freshmen. I think, what was it? Uh, Ashmore and Cox both played in that football game. If I remember correctly. No, they did not. That's what the box score said. Pro football focus only had Vanderbilt playing five linemen and I okay, trust so PFF. Well, and, and let me explain to people why I trust that because it's like, well, why do you trust that? And, and not the other people, because I've seen how it goes in the press box when they're trying to put those together and it's guys sitting up there with binoculars watching people run on and off the field, and you've got to spot guys, and sometimes you see a guy run on, but you don't get his number, or sometimes there's double numbers and they don't account for it, and it's just a tough job. Pro Football Focus, they have the benefit of doing that by video, and so they can hit pause and all those things, and they can do it that way. So, And I, I did a little bit of fact-checking on another end, and – I, I believe the PFF version is correct. So I don't think they played anyone other than the five starters. Okay. That's fine. That's fine too. Uh, but I was, I was more than impressed based on my expectations. Last one is from door King. How much of the close final score do you attribute to Vanderbilt's improvement? Or was it a case of poor play and execution by Texas A&M? I mean, look, I mean, these were, think about the turnovers. These were forced turnovers, Chris. I have to give them credit for that. You can say, well, you got to, A&M's got to protect football. Uh, you know what? Most of the things that they did wrong were forced. We were an aggressive 
physical defense against, frankly, a team that's led by the most, what would you say, the most experienced returning quarterback in the league? I can't think of who would be more. Who You know, I guess Trask would be the second closest, you know, at, at, at this point. And look, there are some that believe that Kellen Mond's a high draft pick, you know. So, I, you know, it's, it's a, this is by far the hardest question to answer because it's the first week, and I just don't know what A&M is. Did they look great? No. Did they look like they're about to win the West? No. Do they look much better than a Kevin Sumlin team? No. Um, but maybe Vanderbilt had a lot to do with that. I, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's one game. It's tough to tell. Did we have a single loss by single digits last year? No. No. No, we didn't. In all those losses, in all those nine losses, we didn't have an effort that looked anything like what I saw in College Station. So while I don't know what Texas A&M is, I really don't. I know this much. Vanderbilt, uh, as a product, looks much better than anything that I saw them doing last year, outside of maybe a half of Missouri football. My friend, I've got to run. Thank you for joining us today. Tell people where they can find your show and where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, you can find my show at 101.5 FM, 6 to, 6 to 8 p.m. in Jackson, Tennessee. It's called The Cheap Seats, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Cheap Seats Bass. Oh, and by the way, happy belated birthday to Coach Mason from yesterday. Ah, okay, yes, yes, indeed. Well, good luck to your Padres. They're going to need it. I'm sitting here watching my Braves, and I think the – 13th, I can't read the TV from here. I think they may be playing by this time next week when we podcast again because nobody can score. Uh, but in any case, thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you, brother. He's Seabass. I'm Chris Lee, and thank you for listening to the Andy Sports Podcast. <laughs>